Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today we go up to New York, where at Adelphi, they got a special program for those of us whose brains might be a little bit different. And I have the man who's in charge of it, Mitch Nagler, right here with us. Mitch, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Thanks, Hanky. Thanks for having me. Tell our audience what you do there, the name of the program, and what's going on at Adelphi. So the name of the program is the Bridges to Adelphi program. It's designed to support college students who self-disclose with autism spectrum disorder or some other nonverbal learning disorder. Uh, we currently have uh, 100 students enrolled in the program. Uh, we do not accept students into the program. They apply to the university. If they're accepted at the university and they choose to enroll, then we take them in. So having a, a, a autism spectrum disorder diagnosis is not uh, conditional, but most of the kids in the program do have that, as well as lots of other stuff going on. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting point right off the bat, which is getting the individual to self-identify. What are your what are your findings with that? So the, st the stigma preceded us. It's been there, you know, most of their lives, um, if not all of them. And um, one of the reasons we don't there's a variety of reasons we don't ask for uh, proof of diagnosis. First of all, I'm not that interested in people's diagnoses. I'm dealing with what I refer to as whole objects. I'm dealing with people. Um, if they've been stigmatized in the past and they've, and they've gone through their life with this label on them or feel that they have, I, I don't want them to feel that way here. So we have 100 different kids in the program. The goal is to run 100 different programs. So I make that clear to everybody when they come in. Some people, surprisingly, are very interested in proving to me that they do have a spectrum disorder. Other people uh, are less uh, likely to mention it. But again, it doesn't matter to me. We're trying to figure out what we need to do to help people be successful in college. My experience is that for most folks, and again, when you talk about folks on the spectrum, it's never always the same. It's never, never, it's never always, and it's always sometimes. But most folks on the spectrum need a, um, a properly designed program that can help them with their variety of problems that they may present. It could be anything from executive functioning to anxiety to processing delays to other learning disabilities. And we try to see the students that we work with from 360 degrees, so we get a pretty good idea of, of what we need to do to help. You've got a fellow up there, a good friend of ours, who we've interviewed here on Exploring Different Brains. Uh, Stephen Shore is up there in Adelphi. Yeah, Stephen's a good friend of mine and a good friend of the program. He's been a valuable resource for us as we've built the program out. That's great. What do you find in Mitch to be the biggest challenges for you up there? Well, it's not, again, it's not any one thing. You know, it's handling 100 students uh, and their parents uh, and having everybody understand the difference between high school and college. You know, they talk about the transition uh, issues for the students. 
and understanding the difference, what's expected of them between high school and college. But, you know, the parents expect a lot also and having them understand how much input they can have and the loss of control that they're going to have to deal with is an issue as well. Uh, faculty, you know, staff, you know, an issue for us is that one of the way the program's designed, and I think one of the reasons that it's been so successful is that the staff is all current graduate students at Adelphi University. So they're, they're getting their graduate degrees in helping fields like psychology or social work or education or communication disorders. And the relationships that develop between the staff and the students is really unique because there's not a, uh, this great age difference and they're not professional educators or coaches or anything like that. And that's great. The problem is that half of them graduate on me every year and I have to rebuild the staff. So, you know, training and, and developing staff is a big issue. I'll say that. Can you, uh, can you transfer your culture to say a business? Yes, yeah, quite easy for me to do that because I'm a retired businessman. So I, I like to think that I, I see things in big pictures. Academia is not necessarily a place where that occurs naturally. Uh, so I'm way into program building. And as I build a part of the program, I'm realizing, oh, well, that's the next thing that I need to see. What, what I've recently realized is that retention and GPA which I originally thought would be the goals of the program, which we're very successful on. We have almost a 90% retention rate. Wow. And an average GPA year after year after year of about 3.3. But I realized that the goal is not that. The goal is to help the students get into meaningful, successful careers when they graduate so that they can live independent lives. That is a huge challenge. I'm finding the transitions are one of the toughest things and one of the biggest transitions for those lucky enough to go off to college are the transition to college, which is what you're handling. Yeah, there's huge transitions. You know, what's expected of you in college, in high school is way well different. You know, in high school, K through 12, mom and dad have done great jobs of getting the kids services. Uh, they're very involved in, in maintaining that and getting new services. And services are delivered to students. In college, you can get a lot of the same services, but they are offered, and the students have to be, have to come and get them. So we're not pulling kids out of classes. We're not going into dorms and waking people up. We're not bringing the services to the kids. We're asking them to come and get them. You now, know, so they, you work closely with the Office of Disabilities? Oh, very closely, very closely. But still, you know, the rule in this college is that if you have extended time or a distraction-reduced environment for an exam, you have to submit a request at least a week in advance of each exam. Now, we help the students do that, but that's very different than in high school. In high school, they came and got the student and said, all right, come on, let's go. You're going to have the exam in this room over here with this person uh, proctoring it. Now they have to be able to, to file the form. And again, we help them with that, but they have to submit a form a week in advance every time they have an exam. That's a big difference. Even the, the services that we offer, we offer. We, we offer really comprehensive academic, social, and vocational services to the students enrolled in the program. 
but they got to come to the office and, and meet with their staffers and tell us the truth. Let's go back in time because you came from a business background and everything. Right. Let's go back in time when you started the Bridges to Adelphi program, um, how you garnered that support. Well, so back then, I, I had just received my master's degree in psychology, and um, I, I met somebody who worked for a family service organization who came to me. I was actually working in a drug clinic at the time, as all good graduate students in psychology do. And I met somebody who had uh, a grant to provide services to college students, but didn't even know if college students needed these services. They knew that they were getting them in high school and in middle school, and they asked me to go out and do uh, some market research, which I did for a year. And, and that was when I found sort of the two sides of the ambivalence, either I'm not telling you what I'm doing or we don't want those kids here. Um, and I did that for a year, and then nobody was really very interested in, in developing anything new. And then I came back to Adelphi University, where I got my master's. And I met with the woman who was running disability support services here at the, at the time. Her name was Carol Lucas. She offered me the opportunity to go out into the field and find out if there was a need in college for support services. Because she knew that the, the students were getting them in middle school and high school, but didn't know if there was anything going on in college. And I ran around the tri-state area for a year. And I finally came back to Adelphi University where I'd gotten my master's. And I met with the woman who was in charge of disability support services at the time, Carol Lucas. And Carol said to me that, oh, my God, I can't believe that you're here. We know that we have kids on the spectrum and we know that we're not managing them correctly. Would you be willing to be the on-campus support service for students on the spectrum? And, of course, I was delighted to, to say yes to that offer. And that was in 2007. And they referred three students to me. And I worked one-on-one -on -one with those three students, essentially on executive functioning issues and on managing anxiety. And um, the next semester, they referred three more students to me. And then the word got out on campus, and I started getting more referrals. And then I started going out into school districts and talking about local school districts and talking about what I was doing. And before I knew it, I had 40 kids in the program. And it became a FIFA service program in the spring of 2012. And we had 50 students in the program. And then in some weird social psychology experiment, as soon as we started charging for it, more people started being interested in it. <laughs> and I guess it gave it greater value. And then we got out onto the Internet and I wrote a couple of articles for publication, uh, one with Steve Shore. And, um, you know, now we've got 100 this year, and I'm expecting 120 in the fall. Wow, that's great growth. The amount of money doesn't seem to be the issue because there's not a whole lot of options for them to come to a design program for folks on the spectrum. And our outcomes are so good that it sort of sells itself. So, um, you know, this helps me get uh, also help helps me get services added from the university because we keep, you know, they're charging money for the program, but we also keep kids in school. And it, we also create very positive regard in the community for the university because of the good work that we do. 
and um, helping the kids get into careers and internships in the community. What kind of uh, research is going on to measure your outcomes? So, um, well, obviously we're doing GPA and retention. We also do measure self-esteem semester to semester. We, we measure the student's self-esteem and we're trying to figure out if attendance in meetings and social events correlates with their grades and their self-esteem. We also do uh, a mindfulness training every semester and we do a pre and post on that. And now we're gonna start doing follow up on graduation to find out if they're working in the field that they studied in and their level of satisfaction at their job. But, but that's really what we're building out right now, Hack. We're really building out the whole post-graduation program. I'm developing a job placement uh, service in the program where we're gonna have somebody work out in the field identifying careers and places where the students can work and work with the employers to help them understand the benefits of hiring people on the spectrum and then to job coach both the student and the supervisor when the students are out there uh, and that is really that, that's really what's next for me is getting the kids out there and because you know the existential crisis that we're all dealing with is what happens after mom and dad aren't around who's going to take care of the kids and for, for moms and dads of students on the spectrum, that is a much more present uh, danger and much more anxiety provoking crisis than it might be for parents of neurotypical kids. And so I, I feel a real strong ethical obligation not to take them through four or five years of college and then send them home to play video games. Um, I, I feel a real obligation to create a real job placement organization where we're going to help them get jobs. We're going to have job coaches. We're going to get them out into the community and um, and collaborate with the community. And and I think the corollary to that is developing, uh, for lack of a better term, I'll call it an alumni system, an alumni support system, because that's what happens many times, even forgetting about the neurodiverse individuals, we, we find it like, you know, we have a 90% high school graduation rate at the Boys and Girls Club, but then what happens when they go off to college and lose the support system? When right, so the same thing here. Yes, yes. Same thing here. And so, it's and so that, that's, that's when you asked me way back when, what's the challenge? That's the challenge. Because we're really, really good at helping them be successful in school. And something else that you mentioned about value, and we talked about value, something that I think about as a therapist is that the number one indicator of a positive outcome in therapy is not whether or how much we charge, but if the client believes that the therapist can help. It doesn't matter what my, my psychological orientation is or where I, I practice or who I am. It's, if they believe in me and they believe that I can help, and the outcome of therapy is usually pretty good. It's the same thing here in this program. If those students who may, who likely were stigmatized, I believe that most of the kids I work with have post-traumatic stress disorder. They've all been bullied and teased and stigmatized horribly by, by peers, by teachers, by, by their families. If we can get them to believe in the services that we're offering and believe in the staff and trust us, 
and, and be able to say the magic words, which are, I need help. If, if they buy in, then we have amazing outcomes. If they don't buy in and they're reluctant or resistant or just Ill, sort of what I call illogically concrete, like what they're thinking makes no sense, but they ain't giving it up. Um, if, if they buy in and, and they allow us the honor of helping them, then it's an amazing thing. So we, we, need, we need people to, we need students to trust us. That is a huge challenge as well, to get the students to trust us and to understand we're not their parents and we're not going to judge them and that our sole goal is to help them be successful. Uh, unconditional positive regard. For those in our audience, how do they learn more? How do they find out more about what you're doing at Adelphi? Well, they could just look us up on the internet. It's uh, bridges at adelphi.edu. I think if you Google college uh, programs for Asperger's or autism, we're probably at the top, if not the top automatically. So we're pretty easy to find. I'm going to read something from your site for our audience. If you're a student who has autism spectrum disorder, a nonverbal learning disability, or problems with socialization, you may feel anxious about the many differences between high school and college. The Bridges to Adelphi program offers individualized, comprehensive, academic, social, and vocational services that are designed to make that transition easier. This fee-based program offers regularly scheduled meetings to help with executive functioning and time management issues, problem-solving skills, and a wide variety of social opportunities. And the website bridges.adelphi.edu. What would you like to add to that little summary? Well, again, nobody's getting the same thing. So, yes, that's the frame. That's what I call the frame. But every day is a new day here. And every day we find new services that people need or new ways to problem solve. It's, it is the reason that we're successful is that we take that approach. Again, I, I don't care about people's diagnoses. I do not care about labels. I don't even give the staff, at the beginning I used to give the staff the neuropsychological evaluations to read as if that would be helpful for them to frame and create an idea of how to work with the students. I don't even give it to the staff anymore. I don't read them myself unless there's a problem because I don't want to be biased. I don't want the staff to be biased. I don't want anybody to think, oh, you know, oh, I read this, so this is who I'm getting. I don't like putting people into boxes. So yes, that's the frame, that's what we do, but it's much more uh, fluid than that statement. What would you say the biggest single issue that you help young adults with? Wow, that's a tough one, because again, it, could, it changes, but um, having confidence in themselves, uh, thinking positively about themselves, and not buying the message that because their brain is different, that makes them somehow inferior. The best part of them is that their brain is different. It could come with some problems, but it also comes with some great gifts. And, and appreciating yourself is really important. It's gonna be difficult for other people to accept you and appreciate you if you don't do that yourself. And so that's a message that we carry a lot, is that students should appreciate who they are, accept their 
weaknesses, but focus on their strengths. But it's been, they've gotten exactly the opposite message their whole lives. Like, never mind your strengths. These weaknesses are the big problems. Mitch, what advice would you have for a young person about to go to a college that does not have a bridge-type program? To try to be a great self-advocate, to try to have a great relationship with Disability Support Services Office, to disclose to your faculty that, you know, that not only you're on the spectrum, but if you're aware enough of what your particular issues are, is it executive functioning? Is it time management? Is it, you know, difficulty processing information? Do you learn better when you hear something or see something or write something? These are all important things for faculty to know about so that they can try to work with you. Most professors are human beings as well. And I think if the students will talk to their professors, I would encourage them to go to office hours to develop a relationship with the professors because I know I teach in the graduate school here. I know that when students come to my office to talk to me, I like that student a lot. It's only human nature. And I'm much more willing to work with them when I get to know them than if they're just the face at the back of the room. So I think disclosing to faculty would be a good place to start. And also, if you can't get up in the morning, if you have a problem getting up in the morning, don't take an eight o'clock class. And if, you, if you've never lived in a dorm, you know, you might want to think about what that means and, and the complications that that adds. Maybe start with taking two classes a semester, your first semester. Stay home, maybe go to community college, even if you get accepted to a four-year school. Stay home, take two courses, figure out what the differences are, get two really good grades. Because if you go away and in your first semester, you really struggle and you don't do well, that leaves a really bad mark. And most of the students that I work with have had very successful high school careers and their self-esteem is based on their academic success. Even if they struggled socially, they knew they were the smartest one in the room. And if they come to college and they fall apart because of not necessarily the academic work, but from everything else that's going on around it, social, you know, executive functioning, all the other transitional issues, if they struggle academically, that is a huge shot to their ego. And it, it takes a really long time to come back from that. So go slow, disclose, advocate like that. That's my suggestions. Well, this has been great. Uh, Mitch Nagler, Keep up the great work you're doing there at Adelphi, at your uh, program, Bridges to Adelphi. Thank you very much for spending your valuable time with us here on Exploring Different Brains. We're looking forward to your blogs and your further contributions to differentbrains.com. And uh, I hope to get up there and visit you in person sometime. That would be great. I'd really love that. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Hacky. Have a good day. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.